Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Mothers of Misfits. I'm excited to introduce you to Bethany Geddes today. She's an internationally known certified holistic nutritional consultant, and she's a real food advocate. Bethany is focused on guiding busy, health-conscious moms to their own optimum health lifestyle through nutrition. She created her business, Nutritious and Delicious, love that, because she believes a healthy family starts with a healthy parent. Amen to that. I know that firsthand. So I'm really glad that you're here to come on today and and talk with us. Actually, we're going to focus on common food allergies and how to deal with them. So thanks for coming on, Bethany. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about today's topic. Yeah, as am I. And as I said, this is a personal topic for me. I've been through my own health journey and I actually had my personal nutritionist on the podcast, um, gosh, quite a while ago. But for those of you that might want to catch that episode as well, her name's Jamie Ward. So just give a search for her. But um, yeah, Bethany, this is this is, I think, pretty common, pretty universal. If we don't have food allergies in our household, we probably have a friend or family member or another student at school that does. So I, you know, we're all going to benefit from from this conversation today. But let's start with defining what a food allergy is, because there's, you know, allergies, sensitivities, uh, like there's a lot of jargon kind of going around and it can be hard to tell the difference. So can you sort it out for us? Yeah, certainly. So a lot of the times people, um, you know, they kind of jump on a bandwagon, right? And they're like, oh, well, I can't, you know, eat gluten and I can't eat dairy and I can't eat this and that. So a lot of the times people, if they are sensitive to something, their body may not be able to handle it. If you have a true food allergy, you are actually physically having symptoms to that food. Now, a lot of people, they have issues with not knowing what it is, first of all, because, you know, you combine a lot of foods together and you're eating them and you're not even aware mm. that it may have traces of wheat or dairy um, in them or even peanuts and things like that. Like those are kind of common food allergens, I would say. But an allergen is something where you're you're having hives, like you're mm. itching in a rash, Um your, your gut is extremely sensitive. It can go both directions. It doesn't really matter. And when people are sort of sensitive, it's like you might have some mild bloating. Um, your body may not be able to break it down fully. But when you have an allergy, your body is actually physically trying to reject what is in there. Because what is happening when you have an allergy is it's actually making um, histamines in your body and uh, your body is coming out like almost like it's fighting whatever is going on. And that's why you're having this like symptom um, of a rash or your throat might close up. Like that's a pretty severe one, um, which we find a lot of people, they need to use like an EpiPen mm -hmm. or something if their throat does start to close or their tongue starts to swell. Um, basically, the body starts to attack itself thinking like something's happening here and it's sort of breaking down. Mm. So where do these food allergies come from? Are we born with them, but they just manifest themselves at a certain point? Are they acquired? Is it something we're doing in our lifestyle or diet? It's a combination. A lot of people, 
Um, it's like, it's like, it goes into the sort of the whole diabetes mm -hmm. route. Like there's type one diabetes, mm -hmm. type two diabetes. You can actually eat your way to diabetes and you can be born with it. So allergies are sort of similar. If you have somebody in your family that has like a severe allergic reaction to like peanuts or milk and they need an EpiPen, more than likely you're probably going to fall in the same category. It's kind of a bit of a roulette with the mm -hmm. kids, like who's going to end up having that, um, allergic symptom to it, unfortunately. Um, so it's a good idea to get kids tested if you do have some severe allergies yourself. But typically it's, it's mainly from our food industry. Like mm -hmm. this is where, you know, it, it ruffles my feathers being in the nutrition world mm -hmm. is that we are overexposed and have been overexposed for so many years. Like we aren't eating from, you know, the local farm anymore where mm -hmm. we're getting like our milk from the, a cow that is, you know, eating proper grass and all that kind of stuff. We're eating and drinking from animals that are very stressed out. They're given a lot of hormones to um, produce, you know, for example, milk, the milk industry. Cows are hooked up to machines pretty much like all day long. And they're being given steroid hormones in order for them to produce because cows aren't going to produce naturally unless they have a calf. Mm -hmm. So the reason for the hormones is to trick their body, like kind of like birth control in a terms of like their hormones are producing milk. So now we're drinking that milk. The milk isn't going to explain on the, on the packaging. We have hormones. They're just in there. Mm -hmm. And then we're starting to drink them. And we're wondering why, like we're, we're growing taller every year. Like our kids are a lot bigger and things like that because there's growth hormones in our food and in our milk and it's throughout a lot of foods and we're overexposed in a sense of these animals, mainly cows are overproducing. Um, they're not typically at the weight that they normally would be. They're beefing them up basically, mm -hmm. um, with many different things to get more meat out of them, get more milk out of them. And it's not really a natural way of us kind of going through a food chain. The other aspect is wheat. So wheat, you know, can be genetically modified. And because we do have such a big industry, we do need to feed large populations. I understand that. But the farming from, like I said, getting the crops from a local farmer isn't the same way anymore. It's not conducive to making money. So now they're mass producing it, uh, genetically modifying a lot of foods and vegetables grains especially because it's in everything right so they're overproducing this they're putting it into our food we're consuming it and it's it's in so many things that it's over over stimulation on our body so if you're constantly eating the same things over and over again you can actually develop allergies to them and i am actually a candidate of that mm. i grew up on dairy myself we started in the uk so we had like an actual milkman like that was years ago, but they used to bring like the glass, you know, milk jugs to the door and that we got it from a farm basically. And then as the years went by, you start to buy milk from the grocery store. And I grew up on dairy, like milk and everything. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I sort of hit my later teenage years, I started coming out with like massive amounts of acne um, in the jawline area. That's usually a hormonal issue. Mm -hmm. So it's not my hormones. It's the cow's hormones. That's what I'm getting. And that's why my mm -hmm. body is rejecting it. And um, now if I kind of eat anything with dairy in it, I have hives all over my stomach, like itchy, everything. Um, and it, and it's gotten worse basically mm -hmm. as I've gotten into adulthood. So that's kind of what you can see sort of as an adult, um, for milk, especially 
we typically lose our enzymes to break down lactose by the age of five. So mm-hmm. my sons are six and eight years old. By the time my eldest son was about five or six, I started noticing about the same things mm-hmm. like itchy rashes, eczema on their skin, um, going to the bathroom too often. Like I was like, there's something up here. And as soon as I pulled the dairy out, completely cleared everything mm-hmm. up. So I realized already it started young for him as well. So Wow. Well, there's so many so many things in what you just said that I want to highlight, but I'll um, go back to a few that really stick out. And the first is being mindful of what our food went through before it got to us. And that's what's affected me too, is just the processing of some yeah. of the foods and my body's not into it anymore. And you know, a lot of the things that I ate growing up and was fine, uh, I think I had a negative cumulative effect. And you know, our awareness of all of this is, I think, mm-hmm. pretty new on the scene, at least from a um, popularized standpoint. So we're all just figuring some of this stuff out and are changing our behaviors, but really, really think about as you laid out, you know, how many human hands or science, uh, components have touched this food before it got to me. And if, and when possible, and I get it, I mean, I really get it. It's expensive to do the organic or the all natural. And it's unfortunate that that's the case, but if you, and when you can go for that, um, or go to your more local source or a neighbor or, you know, a local farm where you know exactly where it came from and, um, less again, Mm -hmm. people touching it in the process. I also like that you talk about how, you know, some of the responses or reactions, if you break out in hives, that's pretty obvious, but sometimes, you know, just acne around the mouth or Mm -hmm. a belly ache. Or even for kids, it might show up in hyperactivity or sort of other symptoms that might be easily explained away in other ways. So I mm-hmm. I really encourage everyone listening to take note of those, especially if you see a collection of symptoms that right. you know maybe in and of themselves could be explained away, but they're all happening consistently. That's a good time to think about if food could be at the root of the problem. It's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, they do explain it away. They think, oh, this is because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people come to me because they have chronic issues. So they've mm-hmm. been dealing with this for years on end, or their child has got to a point where it's so severe that they can, you know, eat certain foods and they're coming out with these like really bad rashes all the time. And again, the parents are sort of unaware of like, they're conglomerating all the foods into one mm-hmm. and they're not really sure of where, where this is happening. Um, and it's even in products too. So like we're putting it on our skin, mm-hmm. um, using it in, you know, different things that we use around the house as well. Like it's, it's kind of having to take it out first mm-hmm. and adding it in slowly um, to really help, I think, understand where it's coming from. And like you said, the source, I think if you find a better source, you don't have to go organic with everything, but I think finding out, especially like your meat, mm-hmm. your eggs or, you know, your um, milks or anything like that, changing it out or going to the source to see if that makes a difference for yourself, like going to an actual farm farmer, if you can, and buying it sort of um, neat that way. Mm-hmm. And get to be a good label reader. I know I'm, I've become a master label reader. Uh, yeah. And again, we sometimes some of us need to be more cautious than that of others, but flip it around, yep. take a look. And there, I yep. think there was a commercial out there not long ago that was 
you know, had little kids trying to read the ingredients and in their competitors' products. And it was just a alphabet soup and their products were yeah. like cream, salt, water or something. And if you can read it, that's great. If you can't read it, that, you know, that even that is a, is a telltale sign. And like you said, maybe it is or isn't organic, but just even go for, do I recognize these things? Is it a long list? Is it a short list? Because the more things we introduce, the more potential we have for problems. Okay. So now I want to pick your brain about our approach to exposing babies, basically, or infants to food, because that has changed. So when mm -hmm. I was a kid or, or even quite a bit past me, especially with peanut butter, right? It was like, don't give your kids peanut butter, eggs, like anything before their first birthday. And then when I right. had kids that did a 180 and they were like, give them these foods very early on. So why did that change? And what is the best practice right now? That is a tough one because it changes based on sort of government regulations and um, dietitians follow a lot of kind of the regulations and things like that. More for what I do, it's a holistic approach. It's more like look at the person, look at the individual and the family and what's going on. Because again, if you kind of say like, again, across the, across the land, like everybody's got to do this, not everyone's going to fit into that mm -hmm. category, right? So if you do have somebody in your family that does have like severe anaphylactic peanut allergies or anything, like I would strongly advise you not to do that, like to test it on your child um, and give it a little bit of time. Um, but if your family has grown up with peanut butter and all that, like I know with my boys, um, I don't have any severe allergic reactions like that. And so they were having it probably um, when they were one or two. And I know obviously in the school systems, like they're very against it because they do have children now, unfortunately, bringing EpiPens to school and it's quite severe, even if they're just like sitting beside mm -hmm. them. So obviously out of like respect, we have to make sure that we keep the other kids healthy. But in general, um, yeah, I grew up with, you could have anything that you wanted and it was kind of just put on your plate and if something happens, something happened. But I think people are more aware now mm -hmm. of kind of like it can have really bad effects. So obviously like I look at it more sort of on a family and an individual mm -hmm. basis, like children, it's hard because they're like a new palette, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know if they have anything yet, but if you have people, like I said, in the family that already have these severe like allergies and they're, they've got tons of intolerances, mm -hmm. I would be more cautious about that family mm -hmm. versus other families that have kind of had this for years and it's not been a problem. So if we are parents who suspect there might be a food allergy uh, in our kids, what's our next step? Actually, what I like to do with my clients is I have a hair testing oh. um, mm -hmm. check that we do. So basically they buy a kit. They I've done the hair testing myself as well. And they basically analyze it. I get the report and I can see what nutrition deficiencies they have, what in food intolerances they have, and any heavy metals that they have in their system, even from childhood. So it's a great report because I can actually look at it, explain it to my client, and then we can kind of build on that. Like, you know, okay, we see that these are the ones that you're having intolerances to. And we do that with children too, basically six years old and up. What about the tests that yeah. we would go to the doctor to get where they prick your arm or your back and make that grid pattern and wait for something to happen? When would we want to pursue doing that? 
That would be something I would say in, in more terms of like, if you think that you're a celiac or you have like more severe allergic reactions, um, people usually go to that, I think, because they typically have like a really bad food allergy within the family, or they've been really struggling with like eating absolutely anything. And they've tried sort of moving foods away and eating very basic, and they're still struggling. Um, a lot of people go for food allergy testing. Um, and that's pretty much what it is, is that's like a true food allergy testing okay. um, system. And, and that way people can kind of just avoid those foods. And that's basically what you're going to get from the doctor is, well, just avoid those foods. And then you're not really going to get like a plan of action, unfortunately, mm -hmm. going that direction. And I will say, again, not from a professional side, but just from personal experience, uh, that those doctors are, are looking for that like severe physical mm -hmm. reaction, more immediate. Yeah. But that, they might conclude, yeah, you don't have that, but you might still feel like you feel better without having that food in your life. So, you know, just yeah. experimenting. It's not so black and white in that way. Or again, a food might still bother you or make you feel bloated or less healthy, even though you, you might not have to carry an EpiPen around for it. So just, you know, keeping yeah. that in mind, being your own best advocate, same for your kids, because uh, we, we've gone through that experience. I will also say something that, that was so interesting in our personal experience. Mason, after having applesauce and apples and all things apple related for years and years, just this past year, he started developing a, a rash around his mouth when he ate apples. Right. And it was immediate and it was a raised, uh, like blotchiness anywhere where the right. apple touched. And it alarmed us. I have pictures. He was he wasn't uncomfortable down his throat, anywhere else, but around his mouth. Yeah. So we took him to the allergist and we thought, apple allergy. Like, is there such a thing? And does it just come after you've had apples forever and ever? And you know, we had all these questions and we found out that it it wasn't the apple. He was actually allergic to a type of pollen or trees that got on the apple as it was growing. So that really was eye-opening for me because I was attributing it to the fruit itself because it also happened to happen to him with, with watermelon, interestingly enough, the same exact reaction. But it had something to do with the type of fruit and the environment in which it grew, and that's what was bothering him. But for those of you that might have had something similar, it, it, might, it, it might not just be the, the obvious answer, in other words. Yeah. That's really interesting because as you said that, like I was thinking it could either be something like that mm -hmm. or a pesticide. So it's not always it's not always the actual food itself. Sometimes it's what is sprayed on mm -hmm. it, um, the way it's kind of been raised, mm -hmm. you know, like what kind of tree it's from. Sometimes people are allergic to the type of trees mm -hmm. that they come from. And interestingly enough, that actually would have come up on the, um, the hair test because mm -hmm. they actually are checking against environmentals as well. So we've had things come back where clients have had like certain uh, funguses that are allergic to or certain trees mm. um, and types of plants. Again, like you said, that the food has originated and come from um, and even things like grass, like people's hay fever and mm -hmm. stuff will show up on the test mm. because it's certain allergens that are around. And um, it's, it's quite interesting mm. because it gives you kind of an overall picture, not just of like a food allergy, like you said, it's kind of from the environment too. Wow. Well, this has been just a an interesting conversation and something that hits home for me. Mm -hmm. And my biggest takeaway is keep keep pursuing it until you feel better or have yeah. an answer that you feel good about. 
involve the pediatrician, involve your primary care physician, but in, also consider yeah. involving a nutritionist, a dietitian. Uh, you know, create your team because it's usually not one easy answer. It might not be the first thing you yeah. pursue, but figure it out because, gosh, if we're not healthy, nothing else matters really. And um, you know, and when you're not healthy, you know, your kids can't thrive in school. They're not going to do well at home. As you said in your bio, if, if mama ain't healthy or happy, nobody is. So, you know, taking care of ourselves and our bodies is always first line of defense. So thanks for coming on and reminding us, us of that today, Bethany. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to be the biggest advocate of your own health. I think a lot of people go into certain places and they try one avenue and it doesn't work and the door is closed mm -hmm. on them and they're like, well, that's it, you mm -hmm. know, and it's not. There's so many other places you can go. And like you said, you need that team. Like just how it takes a village to raise children, mm -hmm. it takes a village to look after your health. <laughs> Amen to that. So. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.